Welcome to the Perp Web Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch. All right. Thanks, everyone, for continuing to be with us and uh, make everything we're doing here worthwhile. I want to um, just start out by saying that um, this is a personal experience for me. Um, so it, it was a it's really to- told from my personal perspective, um, and I, I welcome uh, feedback and just sort of your thoughts. I, I've, my perspective has changed uh, a little bit over time. This happened uh, a few years ago, uh, prior to COVID. Um, actually, Kimberly uh, was uh, still a bedside nurse, and uh, it was in her unit, and um, She's very aware of this whole scenario, but um, I'll just go ahead and get started. Okay, just a little bit about the patient, and some of the details are a little fuzzy for me because I had no idea I'd ever talk about this in a formal way, but it was a middle-aged man in his late 40s. He had a neurodegenerative disease, should say degenerative, but anyway, ALS. He was progressing from middle to uh, late stage. He initially came in to the hospital, DNR. He needed to have a procedure. Uh, he was admitted for DVT, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Abdominal pain. Oh, abdominal pain. Okay. Yeah. And but he rescinded the DN, uh, DNR just for the surgical procedure. He uh, had already been uh, really expressed his views on how he wanted. Uh, his care to progress as he got sicker. Uh, He had complications during the procedure, likely a PE. Um, ECMO was initiated. They were unable to, of course, you know, care. uh, He went on ECMO. We're going to be unable to wean support. Now, I know none of this. Um, I'm not actually even uh, have ever taken care of this patient. I'm just showing up for work. Saturday morning and I just arrived for my ECMO day shift and it's around lunchtime. Some people are kind of gathered in the um, nurse's uh, lounge and I go check in and say, you know, hey, I'm I'm here for my shift. And they said, hey, you know, this is your patient. You're probably going to have a wedding today. I was like, oh, who's getting married? You know, your patient. My ECMO patient? Yes. We're serious. This this is this is what's planned for the day. So you try to wrap your head around that, and of course I go see my patient. And I start trying to imagine how how this is all going to occur. Um, how to get the tuxedo on and such? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was in shock, really. You know, you, you yeah, see, know. you're you're sort of kind of trying to go with the flow. You're like, okay, well, we've had strange requests before, and we want to honor patients, you know, views and and, and wishes. Um, but it, it, it was a little hard to digest. Um, I got to meet, um, you know, the, some of the family, some, some of the, uh, you know, immediate family, and then also the partner of this patient, um, and got to spend a, a, you know, a few hours before the ceremony happened, but I'll tell you a little bit about it. So I got to meet the patient's partner. They'd been together for a couple decades. They had a child together who was you know, a young adolescent. Um, I had been told uh, by the partner that, you know, this was always a part of their plan uh, in the coming or or the previous months because of, um, you know, I guess 
the reality that their time together was going to be very limited. And so they had decided together that they were going to, after all this time, get married, that he was going to leave, you know, married to her. So that's kind of where um, the information that I had. A minister arrived uh, bedside a little bit later in the afternoon and confirmed that they had been, you know, he was kind of sharing his experience that they had been meeting with him for some premarital type of things that you would normally do. Um, and so this thing was going to happen. I was uh, with a different nurse, not Kimberly, uh, a really sweethearted uh, nurse, and uh, the two of us together, of course, immediately were very, very emotional. This was really something to even imagine happening, but to be experiencing it. Um, you know, the room was, was dark, and, and there, was, there was music, and it was very intimate, and it, it, it felt wrong us being there. We, we don't know this man. Um, you know, I just met his partner, I just met their minister, and yet we're going to be a part of something that is, is very special. Um, patients, sedation, medication, you know, they stopped because they, they felt that um, he was going to be able to be uh, conscious for it. Um, the bedside nurse and I, you know, stood kind of away, but also kind of near, you know, uh, with what's going on. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I mean, they were turning off sedation. I was also, you know, the, the perfusionist in me was a little worried. I mean, well, what's going to happen with the, the cannulas? Is something bad going to happen? I mean, do I need, to, you know, to be ready for something uh, unexpected? But none of that happened. Um, patient did, was no longer still. It certainly moved around a bit and, and, and you know, did, the eyes were moving around and, and, and it looked purposeful, I guess, if, if that's what you were looking for. Uh, the partner claims that, you know, he was squeezing her hand. Um, minister performed the surgery, uh, the ceremony rather, and uh, vows were recited and it claimed that he acknowledged, and I cried. I cried in an embarrassing, unprofessional kind of manner, silently to myself. I couldn't really believe this was going on. So we get through the day. They're married. There's a lot of discussion in the ICU, a lot of mixed feelings on what just happened. What were the motivations behind it? Were these the, was this really the patient's wishes? Was there something else at play? Um, personally, I couldn't see anything but what I was a part of. So I was very emotionally connected to this at that time. <coughs> and so I was, this is what the patient wanted. I mean, it has to be, you know, it, and, and maybe we did something really, really good, really great for this patient that's not going to be living much longer, you know. Um, okay, the next day. I normally wouldn't have even worked a Saturday and a Sunday, but I was very much involved in this now, and I knew that care was going to be discontinued the next day, and so I had to be there. So I came in for my shift. Withdrawal was scheduled for that day. The rest of the family, you know, got to shuffle through and, and, and say their goodbyes. Um, 
And then I was in the room, with the same nurse that was there for the wedding, with the now wife, partner of, you know, multiple decades. She was crying, placing the picture of their child, you know, on top of her husband. Made some sweet music. And then I had to plant the lines. And then he died. So, as I said, this happened a few years ago, and, you know, often, just like patients' families, when, you know, they're in something as emotional as losing a loved one, it's really hard to have perspective. Um, it's, you know, why we don't make medical decisions for our family uh, as a, you know, a, a doctor or clinician, why you leave that to someone else for objectivity. Um, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if I was a part of something that was really beautiful and, and kind and, and what needed to happen or if I was a party to something that had different motivations. Because really, we can't speak to the patient. We can only hear what the family tells <coughs> us. And there were definitely conflicting things going on between family members. So the answer is I really don't know. Um, I think I have a little bit better view on it now and a little less of a romantic, emotional connection to it. Um, but that leads me into what does it mean to be ethical? And I know Anne talked a little bit about this in a real uh, technical term, but I'm going to break it down into something that is a little more basic. So I just looked up what's the definition of ethic? You can see there's, this is just from the dictionary, there's lots of different ways that you can apply this word, but what really, what I identified with was the uh, 2C, a guiding philosophy. Because I, I think I try to live my life in a way that, um, you know, is a continuous uh, reflection of my beliefs and what I think is important. And um, so, that helps me a little bit with what, what is the uh, difference between ethics and morals? You know, it, according to the dictionary, you know, they're used interchangeably, but there, there really is some distinction. Morals are often describing, you know, a particular value or concern that is, is what is right, what is wrong, where ethics can be, you know, broad. You saw all the different definitions for it. Um, but you can see what is a correct behavior, um, what is accepted within the society um, that you value, the, the, the community that you reside in. And morals can be more about uh, an element of being subjective. And so then, you know, you really start thinking, it wasn't my decision whether or not that wedding occurred. It wasn't my decision to discontinue the care. But I still have a hand in it, and I still want to know, you know, how do I feel about it? Was it something that was, if not an, a, unethical, was it immoral just with my guiding philosophy of how I want to live? And the answer is I really don't know. And I'll just leave you with this. It's one of my favorite quotes <coughs> um, by C.S. Lewis. Besides being complicated, reality in my experience is usually odd. It is not neat, it is not obvious, and
and it is not what you expect. That's it. Wow. All right. So I invite y'all's discussion. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I took care of that patient as well for a while. I wasn't there the day that you were, the two days that you were there. But um, since then, I have told the story objectively to people who don't know anything about, uh, you know, the patient or anything. I've never used names. I don't remember the name, which is good. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the way I start that story is I, I ask them first, I say, I have a story for you, and you don't have to hear it. But if you if you do hear it, you're going to either see it as the most beautiful thing or the most terrible thing, but you're going to remember the story. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. They all say yes. I'm not sure what that means, but um, I've told the story several times. And what's the feedback? That you um, most people are on the positive side of it. i got to tell you. Not the, everybody, but most. In the moment, I was very much, felt very privileged mm -hmm. to witness something so <laughs> intimate and, mm -hmm. and at the end of someone's life, how often as a clinician, I mean, sure in life with family members, you get to be at you know these big events, but how often as a clinician, especially a perfusionist, mm -hmm. are you gonna get to be at someone's wedding, wedding yeah. you know, and, and then at their death and it's all yeah. in the same weekend, yeah. you know, and it's, and not, not in a personal role, in a, you know, in a professional role. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that um, I think will stay with me. Oh yeah, of course. Kimberly, you know this patient. Yeah, I, was I think you have. I was thoughts? the devil's advocate in uh, all of this because I kind of followed him from the beginning, and I want to say it's about day ten or twelve. Uh, so we definitely had some additional time mm -hmm. to you know, sure. some room. And it just, I had actually escalated it as a ethics committee mm -hmm. uh, consult and referral. And about there the were, wedding? Regarding the wedding? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. About yes. the whole yeah. process and why all of a sudden there was a just extreme motivation to get this done and had heard feedback from other family members mm -hmm. and tried to remove myself from the emotional side of, right. yes, this is beautiful, but hey, what is going on? We like, we're 10 to 12 days into this. <clears throat> Why all of a sudden the big rush and get this done immediately? And um, then the next day, withdraw. And I was like, is no one else seeing a problem with this except for me? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's, that brings up an interesting point. Deb, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> You know, I would have been conflicted, and it, the story makes me conflicted, but I, you know, my first blush is, it um, was, whose wishes were being fulfilled? Was it, the, you know, the partner that was going to continue, and that was something that they wanted? I, I mean, I would, I'm, I'm having a little difficulty if someone is, um, you know, sedated, and at end of life, to be able to make a decision like that, that yes, I, you know, my last wish is to marry my partner. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, you know, challenging that they had a loving relationship or a, a child. I just, it's like, whose wish for, for you was being honored? And I don't know how to answer that question, but I would, I probably, um, I would have been, 
and I, you know, I have rose-colored glasses, but I would have been skeptical about mm-hmm. what the motivation was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've had an experience with an ECMO patient many years ago, and the motivation by the, by the partner was not good. And because the surgeon dug deeper and escalated it up, then that came out. It came and to so, light. Mm-hmm. Revealed some things that were latent. And, right. uh, and weren't so, you know weren't you know, being I, revealed at the time. There was a an ulterior motivation yeah. to this very but, complex story, yeah, and of course, really complex. very complex. Yeah, well, I'm very interested to hear Dr. Duvall's talk, which is going to hopefully elucidate some thoughts about this, maybe. And or would you like to discuss this particular case first? How would you like to approach this? Well, I, I don't know that I'll be able to do justice to the case. That we just talked about with my slides, but I, I do have a. I'm a little bit of a cynic when it comes to this story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful, it's poetic. It's we don't live in a vacuum, and we have to. Right. We can't stop being people just because we're clinicians, and so that's a diff- very difficult distinction to make. I do agree with you that I'm a little bit of a skeptic as to the motivations mm-hmm. um, and the reasoning, and also the validity of the service. You know, right. um, and so I think it's a great, heartwarming story. Uh, that I probably would have fallen on the other side you of the... You would have been on that Kimberly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I yeah. guess the other question is, did it... Obviously, it didn't change the outcome. It didn't change the treatment, but did it tie up resources that it shouldn't have? Or did it cause undue stress to the patient to do what was done? Right. You know, because ultimately, we serve as the patient's fiduciary. Right. And that's that's the problem that I have with it is I have to be a, I have to be a patient advocate right that's what we all are as clinicians um, and you know it's I think it's really brings to light just how emotion can uh, cloud your judgment and you know I wasn't expecting that and I I was not attached to that patient I had never <coughs> seen them before. Um, but it's real easy how things can just flip, you know, just with the right kind of recipe, you know, and maybe if Kimberly had been the nurse that day, it would have been a different vibe because she already had some experience, you know, but I was also with a, a nurse who just had a different viewpoint, you know, very tenderhearted. And then that just brought out what, you know, that side of me as well. And so it, now I've heard that uh, they had. I'd heard that they, they had signed a marriage license before his surgery, and so I felt like there was some sort of you know plan to do this well, before everything. Happened I did feel like that there was maybe something. Is that true? I didn't hear that. No. Okay, that's not true. Yeah. Well, that made me feel better. diagnosis no. for him sure, yeah. and all of a sudden the motivation from the now wife to hurry up and get this done mm-hmm. for financial reasons just didn't sit well with me at all mm-hmm. and and it just it was hard because I was like okay yeah sure the guy wakes up but he's been on fentanyl and propofol yeah mm-hmm. like I mean, he was awake, but did he know what was going on? Probably not. Probably not. But then, 
you know, just, just to play devil's advocate, the minister said they had been meeting, like, before he had gotten recently ill. So, I mean, then you think intention is there. Well, and I think your intentions were, were in the right place and place. And so that, and that's all we can do. That's I mean, all we can do, right? You know, we're trying to do the right thing and we mm -hmm. do the best we can to do that mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And then we look at ourselves and say, you know, what can I do better tomorrow? I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't like you were involved in some. Right. And there's, you know, again, I have no control over what exactly. happened. I couldn't have stopped what happened. Yeah, you don't really yeah. have a choice. You couldn't say And no. people didn't, you know, people didn't want to hear my opinion about it because they wanted to kind of be caught up in all of the, the beautiful of it all. Right, but right. somebody had to speak up on behalf of him who couldn't. Right. And just present that as, am I the only person in this room seeing it this way? Well, I think you also, um, in talking to you about this case, and Tammy, of course, Thank you very much for working for us that weekend. You still joined our group. I wasn't even a full-time uh, employee. Yeah, I was for Dan. And uh, we appreciate you. It was actually Patrick's weekend to work. So, Patrick, what? you still, oh, it was. So, you still, <laughs> you still, oh, I went back and looked. I actually Did really? checked, okay. yes. Tammy worked for you. Oh. And so, you still, you owe her. Um, Again. Again. But I think, uh, Kimberly, you brought something up very interesting, and that had to do with why you've had all this time already to do this. Why are you now waiting? You, why, why, why are we now doing this? Why didn't you do this a week ago, two weeks ago, 10 days ago, 11 days ago? What, why, why was it not codified, the relationship into marriage, prior to him knowing that he had a terminal illness, he had ALS. And it was progressed. And I don't, yes, and I don't remember exactly, but the time from diagnosis to actually passing with ALS is relatively short. It's two about, to five is it, years. Is it two to five wow. years? So it's a little longer than I thought. Um, but you have a terminal illness mm -hmm. and it is progressing rapidly. So let's say two years. Why are we waiting to codify this? And now you're in this situation. It's a very Why did so. I don't know the. I don't know where I fall well, on it. That's the okay. So that's part of the problem too. Is he had the DNR, but just for the cervical procedure, and then rescinded it. Well, he rescinded it for the cervical. I mean, procedure. rescinded it yeah. for the for right. for the surgical he procedure. He shouldn't have been put on ECMO, and at, then at all arrested in the OR. Big massive PE. Yeah. Wasn't a, and, didn't have a DNR though. So. Yeah. Well, but I think that that's still that's, patient selection. And somebody saying right yeah. and, and i think his thoughts were very well known with right. his family that because yeah. he had already thought about these things because of his type of disease that he did not want to be supported in a manner like right. that so just because that happened in the surgery doesn't mean now his wishes are any different right? and, and yeah. you just brought up something very valuable something i didn't even think about and I, i'd like your input on this as well dr deval everybody here but just because you rescinded the DNR doesn't mean that you have to escalate to extraordinary measures for uh, resuscitative. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, right. You know. Well, and, and, and then, so an emotional decision was made at the time, mm -hmm. put on ECMO, but then it was a long time. And then yeah. as soon as the marriage is done, then it was, okay, he doesn't want to live like this. And we're done. What was the time gap between the event in the OR and the ECMO initiation and the decision to get married 
and then all of the legalese that played out with the committees, et cetera, and then the actual ceremony. He was cannulated back there in the OR, and then we were either day 10 or day 12. It was a couple weeks into it. I, I, I didn't know because, again, I Before the decision was made, when no. did they say, let's plan on having, let's plan on getting married, oh. and then y'all went through the committees and all that? I don't know. Yeah. I just... I think the I decision, as far as I remember, the decision was made to discontinue over the weekend. Yeah. And then she said, we need to get married first. Right? Well, because we had started having that conversation about, okay, we're going to, we can't wean support. Let's talk about a trach and where we're going from here. Oh, well, no, we never wanted to be on a ventilator. Yeah. We never wanted to be on a ventilator. Right. So I think that that brings up the topic of, you know, what is informed consent and everybody managing the expectations ahead of time in anticipation of a high-risk patient like this having an untoward event, which is exactly 